Hello, I'm Sean McCormick, the host of the Earn More Tutoring Podcast with a mission to eradicate educator poverty, as well as the founder of Executive Function Specialists with a goal to help middle, high school, and college students learn critical executive function skills so they can lead better lives. So today I want to talk to you about my 12 keys to earning more tutoring. After 53 episodes of my podcast and two years with my business where we've grossed over half a million dollars, I feel like I am in a position to help you understand how you can earn more tutoring. So I'm going to break down 12 keys today and let's just jump into it. So the first key, kind of an obvious one, but raise your rates. I see it all the time online. I see it with a lot of people I work with in the educational therapy community, tutoring community. People are scared to raise their rates. They don't want to lose clients. So here's how you do it. You don't have to raise your rates all at once with all of your clients. What you can do is if you start to see yourself getting full Raise your rates on the next incoming client. And if you're uncomfortable with talking about your rates, then put it on your website and you can change it periodically. You can put a little note that says, rates are subject to change. Um, Reach out for our most available rates or something like that. The other thing you can do is do an annual raise or rate increase for your whole business. So you can put in your in your onboarding documentation that your rates go up 3% or 5% every year. I mean, this year in 2022, inflation I think is around 8%. So that is totally reasonable and people understand that the cost of things is going to go up. So it shouldn't be odd or strange that you do it. And remember, people don't always want the cheapest service. People sometimes want something that costs more. They know it means you value them, you value your services, that you don't have money blocks that are preventing you from, from valuing your services correctly. And so it's not a problem most times to raise your rates. I rarely get issues when I raise my rates. And people might also ask, oh, how much should I raise you? raise my rates. Well, look around at at your competitors. Look at the people in your community, other people that are selling a similar service to yours and see what they're charging and then find what works for you. There's always going to be someone higher and always someone lower. And so find what works for you, but don't just have low rates because you're afraid to raise your rates. Second key idea, mind your business. Now, what do I mean by this? First off, When you're trying to grow a business, you want to be very thoughtful about the people you hire, about the people you work with. So when I say mind your business, particularly I'm talking about hiring the right people to work with you. So a big part of my business is finding skilled, credentialed teachers or educational therapists that can work with me in my business. So that's what you got to look for, right? You don't have to find a clone of yourself or someone who's exactly like you, but you want to find people that are credentialed, have expertise, maybe have a master's degree, ideally a master's degree in the area of focus that you're serving clients in. So find talented people, right? And if you don't want to hire people or employees, the other thing you could do is contract with people. So I also work with a college admissions specialist. And so I contract with her. And so I charge a premium rate um, and then pay her her normal rate. And so for because I'm helping the student learn how to manage all of her requests, I'm helping the student kind of complete their essays. She's guiding them through the process, but you can you can do that if you don't want to hire others. Now, if you are planning on hiring others, you want to be able to attract top talent to your business. So you want to make it 
attractive and you got to invest in that. So ways that I, I do that are I created a 401k with a match um, for all my employees. Uh, I use guideline for that, but there's different different options to set that up. We have a technology stipend uh, where we pay our team members. Our, our business is all remote, so we pay our team members um, a stipend for their internet bill and their phone bill that they're using to work with the clients in our business. So you want to find ways to make it attractive. And the other thing is when you're hiring people, you want to make sure that you make them feel valued and important in your business. So the way you do that is just have relatively consistent meetings with them, check in, see how they're doing, or assign someone on your team to check in, take the pulse of your team, and make sure people have what they need to do their job. All right, so key number three, you want to automate with intimacy. Now, what I mean by this is you need to have systems in place to make sure your business works effectively. So people, the people I see struggling to keep up with new clients are the ones that do everything by hand, you know, have to do, have to send each individual document that takes so much time. So here's how you can automate with in- intimacy. One of the biggest game changers for me was setting up TutorBird. So TutorBird is a, is a system where you can track all your clients. You can, you can put notes in for them. You can, it will send automated messages to them, um, reminding them of upcoming meetings. There's so many features in it that are built exactly for tutors. It's quite incredible. Um, So I love using TutorBird. It saves me a ton of time. Um, The other thing I do is I use Calendly. So when someone wants to book a meeting with me to talk about potentially becoming a client with my my business, um, it just, it automatically syncs with my schedule. It picks a time that's available, or I can set the hours that I'm available. It sends them my Zoom link, sends them text messages, reminders for the meeting. So that's a great thing to do. Uh, And the other thing that it does is I got tired of constantly after the meeting, having to send them our rates and our onboarding process and our signup form. So you you can set up in Calendly a workflow where after the meeting, it can be right after or 24 hours after or eight hours after, but I do it right after our meeting. When the meeting ends, it sends them an email that says, hey, it was so great meeting with you. Here's our pricing. Here's the next steps. Here's our signup form. And that just makes sure that I easily onboard people who want to work with me. So, it, you know, it doesn't, if, if you have a meeting right after your potential client meeting or your inquiry meeting, and then you forget to send that stuff. And then they're like, well, this person's not organized. That could cost you, you know, a client that could cost you a business from someone who's, who's responsive with that stuff. So I say, set that stuff up. If you have uh, questions about how to set that up, you can check out the other um, videos in my YouTube channel where I show people how to set those things up. The other part about automating with intimacy is using tools that make it easier to build connection with your audience. So for example, if you reach out to me or you're interested in my business or my course or something, uh, you might have got a Loom video for me. So this is just an easy tool. You can download Loom. I think it's free in most cases, unless you want to upgrade to certain features. And you can just record yourself talking to them. Say, hey, their name, answer their question. Then you don't have to type it out. It saves you some time. And it just establishes that connection so much quicker. So that's a great way to build that personal connection with people, um, but also do it in a way where you're leveraging technology. Now, another thing you can do is delegate. Um, I am not the master of this, but I am getting better at it. And it's just identify things that you're doing 
manually that you 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 do over and over and delegate it. So it might be delegating it to some type of system like Calendly or Tutorbird, but it also might be finding someone who you can pay less, who's who has a lower rate than your time that you charge out for tutoring and have them do certain tasks that uh, you don't have time for or you could use to make more money tutoring or, or coaching. So those are the, the ways I automate with intimacy. Now, key number four is play long-terms with long-term, play long-term games with long-term people. I came up with this idea after listening to uh, a podcast by Novel Ravikant, where he talked about the importance of these relationships. So my relationships in my, in my business are so important. I mean, if I, without the people that help me in my business, it couldn't happen. I mean, think of, I think about my mom who runs a lot of my operations work and she's, she's an expert in, um, you know, onboarding new employees and, and financial things. And so I turn to her to manage that part of the business, or I have a tax professional, amazing tax professional who is able to help me identify, um, key, key opportunities. For example, the employee tax retention credit. That was something that occurred during COVID. My business started during then. I hired a bunch of people during then. And I was able to uh, utilize that employee tax retention credit to, to get a large sum of money, a large credit from the IRS that I wasn't expecting. So those relationships you have with people that are more knowledgeable in areas that you may not be knowledgeable in are very helpful. Um, another thing, I work you know, from my work as a tutor and as a coach, um, attorneys, attorney, especially one attorney, um, shout out to the, the lay law group. Uh, they learned about my work and then they sent clients to me so I could, I could work with, um, clients that, that struggled with executive function skills. So building those relationships with people who it's a win-win, right? Um, you know, they need your help and you could benefit from, from having more clients, those long-term relationships and, and really working effect with them is so important. Now, another thing that happened by working with, with, um, with the, uh, a law team or a legal, an attorney, a team of special education attorneys was this also led to me eventually being asked to be an expert witness in the field of executive function skills. So, um, those opportunities, I couldn't have ever predicted that, that, that opportunity to serve as an expert witness would have come about, but by building relationships with school administrators, attorneys, um, people that benefit from your services, new opportunities come about that you would not be able to identify on your own. They're very niche opportunities. Now, another thing you can do is go to a conference uh, related to your field. So I recently went to um, the NAPO conference, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. And I met people out there who loved learning about my work as an executive function coach. In fact, um, some of the coaches wanted to hire me to work with their kids. So go to a conference, connect with people, introduce yourself, put yourself out there, and you never know what's going to happen. The other thing you can do is start building relationships with school counselors uh, around you or special education administrators. Reach out, share what you do, who you help, how you help them, what your process is. And that's going to really, really help you um, connect with people that are going to open doors for you down the road. Now, the other part of that is with your clients, right? So one thing I say is be flexible with your clients. Like, don't let them don't let, don't break your boundaries to help your clients, but don't, don't, um, or 
you know, be flexible to the point where you can help them. You know, maybe their their kid is sick and they need to cancel one time. You don't have to use that as an opportunity to to uh, you know flex your cancellation policy. I'd say try to be flexible. People serve them, and it will open doors for you. All right, now I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but remember, you can just take one thing away from this and apply it to your business, to your practice, and that's going to help you out a lot. So key number five, focus on what feels right to you. So the whole time I'm building my business, I'm hiring people, I'm doing my podcast, I'm trying to do what feels good to me. I mean, of course it's work, but but as uh, Oprah said, the paycheck is a bonus, right? I went from being a public school teacher and that was great. I'm happy to do it, but I was commuting two hours a day. I was, you know, had to do a specific, you know, set of things every day. And now I run my business and I work with the clients who I really want to work with and attract. And of course I wanted to work with the kids I worked with before, but it was, it was set up in a way where I wasn't, I didn't have autonomy or control over, over my work conditions. So focus on what feels right to you. One of my mentors said, go towards what feels good. And here's a a couple ways you could do that. If you want to work remotely, do that, you know, pitch that to your, that's, 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 you can change your offer. You can do that. A lot of people need remote executive function coaches, tutors, educational therapists. So that's something you can do. I wanted to, I wanted to create a course. So I put my mind to it. I scheduled it out. I shared it with people around me and said, I'm going to do this. I set a deadline. Um, I used I used the 12-week year system to really break it down into chunks. I wanted to create a course and trade not only my time for money, but I wanted to trade my expertise for money. So it's a self-paced course. And that felt really good for me to create. Um, the other thing is setting boundaries, right? So there's a great book called... Um, set boundaries, find peace. And setting boundaries, right, from when you want to work, where you want to work, setting those up and working towards those, they might not happen overnight. But when you do that, it feels good. You start to kind of move into the life you want. And that also that also taps into what one thing I really believe in, which is focusing on gratitude and abundance. So I do a lot of reading, a lot of meditation around abundance, right? Like really noticing the abundance in my life, the beauty that I'm able to sit here at my home on a Thursday and record record this and share this with the world, that I have people flowing to my business every week and they want to work with me, that I have opportunities and good health. Like focus on those things and you'll start to notice like, wow, there's actually a lot of great things happening in my life. And when we talk about focusing on what feels right to you, I'm also talking about get enough sleep, exercise more. Like this morning, I went to the gym, I made my 100 three-point shots, um, you know, doing things that feel really good, like build that into your day because when you're bringing that vibrant, positive energy, that manifests into more wealth, into more opportunities. Like people want to be around people who are positive, who have goals, who have purpose. And the other thing I did was a year ago or about a year ago in July of last year, I gave up drinking. I gave up caffeine. Like I loved coffee, but I didn't like the feeling of anxiety or kind of like, like kind of stress that I would get when I wasn't drinking coffee. So all that stuff has really accumulated to make me feel better on a weekly basis and uh, do better work and be more available for my family. So key number six, now I can't like, here we go, six. Um, We're going to get past, there's 12 of these, so I won't have enough fingers by the end of this. But uh, key number six is do less better. And I actually learned this this phrase from one of my colleagues, Sam Young at uh, Young Scholars Academy. And 
do less better is is kind of like be a minimalist with your work. So I think the biggest idea behind this is niche down. And I know you hear that a lot, like, uh, how do I niche? Or, you know, I, I'm, I'm a generalist, like, how could I niche? But what I mean by that is like, what are you really good at? Like, what do people keep coming to you over and over about? And how can you focus your business on that? So, you know, at first I was like, I'm the the every uh, topic, every, you know, uh, need coach. And then I, I worked my way down to being the executive function specialist, right? And so focus on what you're really good at and be really, really good at that one thing or a couple things. And when you do that, you're going to attract so many more clients because everybody wants to work with an expert. You know, most people don't want to work with someone who professes to be good at everything because how could they be good at everything? How could they have the time or the energy to be great at everything? So try to focus on what you're really good at, you know, and that maybe that's like, I'll give an example. Like I say, I love to work with like transition age, juniors and seniors, boys who are looking to understand how to stay organized and understand financial independence better so that they can transition to work or college. Like when you focus on that little area of expertise that you feel you can really serve, then you're going to attract more clients. You're going to be able to charge higher rates because you're the expert in that area. And uh, it's going to, you're going to have to prep less, right? You're not going to be preparing for 10 different things. You're going to focus on one thing. Key number seven, be an expert, command authority. So that kind of goes back to doing less better. But how do you become an expert? Well, you could create a podcast around your topic. So I feel like I'm an expert on how to earn more tutoring because I created a podcast on this. I feel like I'm an expert on executive function skills because I focused on that. I built my brand around that. I created a course on it. The way you can do this be, to become an expert is speak about your topic. You know, go out there and talk about it. Listen to people's most frequently asked questions on that topic and then answer them. Figure out the answer, you know, based on your work. Um, other ways you can do this, write blog posts. Every time someone has a question, write it as a blog post and send it to them. Ask them to leave a comment. Create YouTube videos. Um, create models for your ideas. So I, I created the PING methodology um, for, for responding to teachers, right? PING stands for start with a pleasant introduction. Inform, inquire about what you want. Negotiate a solution. And G, and with gratitude. So come up with models for your system. And then, you know, people are going to be like, oh, Sean came up with that. Or, you know, whoever you are, they're going to they're gonna think, they're going to connect with you because you've created models. And if you really want to learn about that, check out Seth Perler. He was a, he's been a, a guest on my podcast and he's the one who gave me that idea and I implemented it and it's been a game changer for me. Then the other thing, another way to be an expert is go on Facebook, uh, find the groups that you are interested in. So I'm really interested in executive function skills. I'm, and I'm also interested in to the business of tutoring. So I'm, I've joined those groups. Um, for example, Michael Gibbon, the coach for tutors, he has a great group. Um, or Joanne Kaminsky has a great group for tutors. Join those and then answer people's questions. Uh, help them understand how they can, you know, people are posting questions all day. So so answer those and, and just be helpful. And pretty soon, if you keep doing that, you'll you'll be you'll become the expert. Now, the other part of that is don't try to sell something right away. Don't just just try to be helpful. And in time, you'll be seen as an expert. And then the, the other thing I do is I ask to be on podcasts. So I reach out to people. I say, hey, I just released this course. I'd love to talk to your audience about why executive function skills are important and what the three keys parents can implement in their home and at school to help their child with executive function skills. So 
asking, coming up with a template. If you want a template for that, you can go to the earnmoretutoring.com slash resources. And I have a bunch of templates where you can fill them in and ask to be on people's podcasts if you have a specific area of expertise. All right. Key number eight, ask for feedback. Asking for feedback is so important. So I mean, even in my sessions with students or with clients, I'll say things like, was this helpful at the end of the meeting? And it just gives them an opportunity to share with me their honest thoughts about what we're doing and if it's helpful. That's something I highly recommend, like ask for feedback, let people shape your practice. You may know a lot about certain things, but you don't know anything until you know what people want to know. So focus on what people want to know, what's holding them back, and then and then provide answers to those things. Now, another thing you can do that is a great idea is establish a Google a Google business page, get that link, and just send it to people. Say, hey, could you leave a review for my business on Google? Um, this is a great way to build up not only like a series of social social testimonials and social proof about your business. But the other part of it is now that Google sees that people are leaving reviews on your business, it's generating community, they're sending more and more people who are Googling about your topic to your business. So that's a great thing to do is just set up that Google business profile and start gathering reviews. You could do it for Yelp as well. Though Yelp is a little weird. They tend to block a lot of reviews if you ask for it. So Google has been my best bet. Now, key number nine, focus on community. Community is so important. I learned this from Leslie Jozell of Order Out of Chaos, and she does something where she gets in front of her audience every week. She calls it the state of the, the chaos or something presentation, and she just talks to her audience. She tells them about her more, most recent blog posts. And so this is really important, right? Getting, getting down and dirty with your community. So a couple ways you can do that. Or you can build a Facebook group for your audience. Um, that's a great way to do it. You could create a mastermind group for any subject that you're interested in and invite other tutors or maybe parents, you know, to discuss issues. Um, one thing I do is I try to I try to build up my email list because when I build up my email list, then I can tell my community about events. So the way you do that is you you establish some type of lead magnet or freemium offer and the way, the way you can do that is like, for example, is there a template or a blog post or something that you give out to people over and over that you teach them how to do? Take that and just put it put it behind a subscribe button. So, you know, you can set this up on Wix um, or whatever website host you use. You say, if you subscribe to this box or this button, I'll send you my free, you know, 10 skills for students with executive function challenges, right? So what I do is I have all these different resources and my colleague um, Ella was really helpful with this, but other team members helped too. And we put all these resources behind this member page. So in order for members, uh, for people to get to it, they have to click on, uh, they have to become a member and then we have their email list and then we can send them updates about upcoming events and things like that. If you're trying to, you know, so you want to have some way to collect those email addresses. Um, other ways to do that are go live on YouTube, go live on Instagram, on Facebook, around your community, and just talk about what you love doing and, and how you can help people. Um, so number 10 is learn with intention. And this one I think about all the time. I think it's so important. But you really want to learn with intention. Like I see people, they're just reading random books. I mean, and that's fine, right? But like if you want to earn more tutoring, what books can you read that will help you earn more tutoring? So for example, anything by Mike Michalowicz 
is amazing. He's been a guest on my podcast, but Clockwork, Profit First, um, Surge, like he's got so many good books. Um, there's a book called Riches F by Amanda Francis that talks about manifesting abundance. There's so many good authors out there. Audible was the best investment I ever made in terms of building my business. Um, because I just listen to audiobooks all the time and it's like in two years, my business has grown exponentially. And I attribute so much of that of just learning with intention. Uh, podcast, if you want to, you know, check out a podcast related to business, Mind Your Business um, is, is a great one. Uh, so find learning materials that will help you reach your goal. Like you have to be intentional about that. And the other thing is do informational interviews with people you want to be like in terms of your business goals, right? So I do, that's why I set my podcast up so I could talk to successful people and learn how they did it and then understand that and apply it to my business. So the more informational interviews you do with that intention of reaching certain goals, the more quickly you're going to reach your goal. Now, key number 11 is think big. So what I mean by this is you got to have big goals, right? You know, look at my, my, uh, my, mission for my my podcast is to eradicate educator poverty. That is attractive to people. They want to share the podcast when they hear that because they're like, hey, this is helping address this really important issue, which is there's a lot of educators out there who are in poverty, who are working multiple jobs. And so we need to teach them the skills they need to basically address this need. So when I say think big, I'm talking about write down your big income goals. Like I've got a big 10-year income goal that I'm working towards and I'm making progress, right? Create a vision board. Like where do you see yourself in a year? Like if you have a hard time thinking about it or writing it down, cut out some pictures from magazines. Like where do you want to be? You know, what do you want your house to look like? What do you want the car you're driving to look like? You know, what, what do you want your business to look like? And then the other thing is, write down those goals. And if you've listened to any of my work, you know that I always say you're 42% more likely to reach a goal you've written down based on that study by Dr. Gail Matthews of Dominican University. But write down those goals and then look at them before you go to bed. Look at them when you wake up and come up with a weekly action plan. If you want to know more about that, check out 12 Week Year by Brian P. Moran, who's also a guest on the podcast. But look at those goals and then break down little steps you can take to move towards those goals in your week, right? But think big and then create a a map to reach your goal. Okay. Next one is diversify your income. So key number 12. So this kind of goes beyond tutoring, but you want to diversify your income. So you diversify your income by having lots of tutoring clients, right? And maybe tutoring in, in, you know, for example, I have my tutoring clients. I also have my podcast. I also serve as an expert witness in my area of expertise. I do speaking. But the other part is like, own some property. You know, I bought a house with my wife back in 2018 and the value of that just keeps increasing, especially in a desirable area. Now you want to make sure wherever you're buying property, the property value continues to increase. In the Bay Area where I live, that's always been the case. Um, But make sure you're, you know, making a smart decision there and then make strategic improvements, right? Look up like what's the most important improvement I can make to my house or, you know, to something I own. So focus on those assets. The other thing, Uh, Learn about index funds, right? You know, I'm not telling you to go (laughs) put your money in the stock market, but I am saying learn about this stuff. So I I listen to a podcast called Choose Fi, um, and I've invested a lot of my money in index funds. And if you look at the history of the stock market, the stock market has grown by 10% 
on average each year. Of course, there's been ups and downs. We're in a down right now. But on average, the stock market has grown 10% each year. So imagine if you have $100,000 in the stock market and you get a 10% gain, now next year you have 110,000, right? Now, but imagine that's a million dollars you invested. Then you get a $100,000 gain on average every year. So make sure you're investing for the long term, whether it's in property, index funds, whatever it may be. And the other thing is, like if you own property, you know, you can't really do this right now. It's not a good time, but refinance, right? So when I bought my home, I was at a 5% interest rate. I refinanced it twice and got down to a 2.75% interest rate. So these things are bigger than tutoring, right? It's not, this isn't uh, a tutoring necessarily tip, but you want your tutoring business to serve your life, right? And to serve your big goals. And a lot of people, they want to own a home or they want to own property. They want to build wealth so they can retire. So those are some key aspects of that. So those are my 12 big tips for how to earn more tutoring. I encourage you, I know I just fire hosed you with ideas, but go back, choose one of these, choose one small thing, even if it's reading a book, listening to a podcast, think about one of these things you can do and start to implement because it's all about taking action. Don't be a procrastinator. learner. Don't learn and, and wait to do anything. You know, I was nervous to get out here and share these ideas with you, but I did it. And you know, that's the key is you have to, you have to commit to action. Once you learn the knowledge, then commit to taking one small step. So I hope this was helpful. If you enjoyed the show today, feel free to try a free module from my course, become an online executive function specialist. Check out the link in the bio. Please leave a rating and review and crush that subscribe button. And as always, go earn more tutoring and I'll see you soon.